Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today, we are thrilled to be talking about family in Star Trek Prodigy. So you know what that means. It means we are joined by the one, the only, Gabby Hurd. The one and only Murph. Yes, yes. the only Murphy Hurd. <laughs> yes. Welcome, Murph. Thank you for joining us in the studio today. Thank you. For those of you who have forgotten, this is our younger sister, Gabby, and she is joining us as a permanent fixture of the podcast whenever we are talking about Prodigy, because it is a show aimed at her age level. I, I say that hesitantly because Gabby's growing. Yeah. <laughs> Every yes. year it's less her age level, but it's yes. still great. <laughs> so It's amazing. Yes. We're so excited. Thank you for coming on. And I just want to say too, I'm very excited that Next time Gabby will be on, we will be talking exclusively about Jacob Pog, the engineer of Prodigy. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Yay! And uh, so, Rihanna, that brings us to a great point. We mentioned this last week on our episode, but how things are going to look for the next couple weeks is we are going to be finishing our catch-up family series with Picard Family. That's going to be a really interesting series because we have not talked about family and Picard yet at all right no since season one aired so yeah so it's been a it's been a long time uh very excited for that episode next week and then we will be finally at long last starting the engineering series so we will be starting with scotty and tos going on to the forge and so on o'brien gets his own episode (laughs) (laughs) suffer town we can't wait (laughs) yeah and that's why gabby will be joining us for the prodigy episode to talk about jacob who of course is our resident engineer on the uss prodigy yes yes uss proto star (laughs) but i like the uss prodigy that they should rename it (laughs) they should there's too many P's, like progeny. Yeah, he's like, yeah. progeny. I'm like, what? She's like, what do you say? Our like, progeny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Too many P yeah. words going on. Um, Rihanna also has a cold. Do you want to talk about your cold? <laughs> uh, I do the- too. What? Cold buddies? Uh, it's not COVID. I've tested negative all the all days this week. I went to Taylor Swift on Sunday. I will never shut up about it. And um, I definitely got my cold from there. So thank you all for hanging in. I might be a little stuffed up. So thanks. (laughs) And I'm just sick. Because allergies. Yeah. Taylor Swift in July. Yeah. The whole fam is going to try to go. So it's very exciting. You gotta go. I know. So really, here's my plan, because she has announced tour dates in like South America, like Brazil and Argentina. I'm really hoping she announces that she's going to go to Portugal because my friend Molly, her parents have a house in Portugal that I could stay at. And the country is not very big. It's only like six hours long by driving. So (laughs) wherever she goes, I can just drive. (laughs) Perfect. My only hope, I think, is international at this point. So I'll, I'll do anything I like my friend and I have talked about maybe going to Germany if she ends up going there so yes absolutely period I'm, I'm desperate if any of our listeners have any spare Taylor Swift tickets uh please contact me in the U.S. I will 
I will yeah. make it happen. Or spare so. houses in other countries <laughs> that maybe Ashley could crash on a couch for a night. <laughs> yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. He is child friendly. Yes, exactly. Ish. ish. <laughs> yes, ish. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now it is time to bring a friend on this journey. And since I picked Gabby's action figure last time, Ashlyn will be choosing for Gabby as well as herself. And so let the big bag jangle begin. <laughs> Ashlyn's really focused. <laughs> Come on, get a good one for me. Uh-oh, she made uh, a face. I picked Sokka from Avatar. That's not acceptable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good choice, but not a Star Trek choice. Simba, really? Simba. <laughs> Mufasa. Ah, One more time. One more time. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> okay, Ashlyn, who did you choose for yourself? Okay, I have uh, Picard. He's big, and he is from the movie First Contact when he's, like, on the whole trying to fight the Borg. Uh, it's a great scene, and he's nice. a great action figure. I'm happy to have him on this journey. He's great. Yes. Okay. Who did you choose for Gabby? For Gabby, unfortunately, I chose Neelix. <laughs> oh, he's awful. Yeah, Gabby is not seeing Voyager, but I'm. Maybe it's good you don't know who Neelix is. <laughs> yeah, that's probably he looks for the ugly. best. Yes, thank you. Just exactly. thrown out shade Period. right Period. away. I mean, yeah, his yeah, clothing he... style is very '90s. So yes, <laughs> he's kind of got like trans flag clothing though. So I'll give him that. He does. I appreciate his support of the community. Yeah, really good in time for Pride Month. Yeah. yeah. Rihanna, who did you pick? I picked Cowboy Troy from A Fistful of Datas. She's got her sleeves rolled up like Mariner. She's ready to go. And I am ready to go on this episode. I'm so excited. Rihanna, wow. Cowboy Troy, what a random choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think about her often. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of random choices, uh, we now have a very fun segment that is, what is your Star Trek thought of the week? This was our segment uh, for family a while back. So we're resurrecting it and also asking Gabby this question. Um, so I don't know. Who wants to go first? Not Gabby. She's shaking her head. I'll go first if you all want. Yeah, we're all scared. <laughs> <laughs> we could tell. It was like when a teacher asks, you know, a whole class, oh, anyone want to offer up? Everyone, like, gets smaller. Yeah, Gabby so and like... I, like, avoided your eye, like, uh... <laughs> always that one kid yes yeah. I'm usually and that Rihanna one kid raising my hand one kid. <laughs> yeah exactly so my random Star Trek thought of the week is actually a revelation that I had last night when watching Prodigy and I can't believe it took me this long to realize but I was listening to Ensign Asensia talk about just like talk and her voice actor and stuff and I was like God, that voice sounds familiar. Like it's giving to Hani from The Good Place. And then I looked it up and it's absolutely Jamila Jamil's voice. Like literally it's her and it's to Hani. And I was freaking out because like, she's such an amazing actor. I had no idea she was even in Star Trek, which is blasphemous. I should have realized way long ago. So my random thought of the week is how epic it is that we're getting more like comedian voice actors in shows that aren't even lower decks. Like we have also- a Derek. <laughs> yeah, Derek. I, I forgot his actor name. You can uh, tell like the quality of your Star Trek podcast when the hosts don't know like any of the cast names. <laughs> <laughs> We're not that type. Oh, of course. And like, it's like having um, Jason Mantazoulakis. <laughs> Sorry, butchered his last name. It's like having him as Jacob Pog and realizing, wow, he's been like every one of my favorite sitcoms. 
Um, so that was my random thought of the week is just how brilliant all of these voice actors are for Prodigy and how unknown they are by maybe a lot of us. Maybe you all learned something like I did. I, I certainly did. Rihanna texted me that last night. So that was the first thing I saw when I woke up and I was <laughs> wow. quite shaken. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to pass it on to Ashlyn. You yeah. are the next victim. <laughs> Please go. I'm ready. So mine is a prodigy thought of the week. I actually already told Rihanna this because I can't hold it in. <laughs> but um, I was watching these episodes last night and I noticed that there's a scene, obviously there we're spoiling everything for Prodigy. If you haven't seen Prodigy, you need to go watch it um, because we're going to spoil it for you. So when the whole plot is revealed, um, we know that Chakotay and the Protostar were sent forward into the future and uh, they were captured by the... um, The Valnacot. The Thank you. I wrote a whole (laughs) fic about them, but I forgot their names. Um, Yeah, they were... Uh, the crew, Chakotay and the crew of the Protostar were captured by the Valnacot. They were able to break out of imprisonment and then launch the Protostar back through the time gate or whatever that they came through yeah. and back into the past where no one could find it. And I noticed this time when I was watching it that Chakotay has this like he, this grin on his face. And also he's cracking up when he's watching the ship go. He's like, ha ha ha, like, uh, boom, I got you. And I we've seen so little of Chakotay so far in Prodigy that I was watching him extra closely and it just cracked me up for him to be just like delighted like haha I outsmarted the diviner again (laughs) drop that mic like why it's so amazing that he's laughing while being in prison like what a what a man I think he's just like desperate you know he's like this worked and now I'm I'm feeling better you know (laughs) yeah exactly yeah that's a great thought wow so Gabby what's your random thought this week Okay, I was re-watching this morning, right? Mm-hmm. And I was watching Dreamcatcher. And I realized that Doll used Zero as a light. I did not notice that. Wait, like a lamp? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, to like look in the woods, like when they're in that scary planet. The That's hilarious. Planet. Doll yeah. uses Zero as a light. <laughs> Zero has many uses. Like they are alleged. <laughs> Yeah, so they zero, are the goat. Zero no, is the like the flashlight app, basically. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is a really good thought of Thousands the week. Thousands of years after the flashlight thing happened. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We don't need flashlights. We need zero. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I gosh. want my own zero. Yeah. Same. Actually, like in, in all circumstances, yes. <laughs> That's they are agreed. amazing. Goat. Truly. Yeah. Wow. All right. Those are really great thoughts of the week. I'm really glad we all had Prodigy one. That, that was fun. <laughs> That's memor. It's special. So yes. special. Yes. All right. It is time for this watch list. So to prepare for the family episode, we have watched Lost and Found Part 1 and 2, Dreamcatcher, Terra Firma, First Contact, Moral Star Part 1 and 2, Masquerade, and Preludes. Woo. Woo. so i want to talk a little bit about this watch list because the nature of family in prodigy is very different and it looks really different than all of our other family series because these kids are orphans right and so we don't have or at least some of them are and we don't have a lot of background on family and so we're kind of extending the idea of family in prodigy because there's a lot of found family there's a lot of accepted family people getting sort of adopted pseudo pseudo adopted or like 
found family, you know, is the trope for this, for this uh, series very much so. And so I'm really excited to kind of take a different look at Prodigy and talk about how it's not always blood family. And that's really interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Rihanna. That's a great point. And I, I think this show, what, what, what I love is that we find out more information about everybody's background later and we start by having all these characters introduced because they're on Tars Lamora as unwanted. So we have Rock Talk, Jacob Pog, Dahl, um, Zero, Murph are all like trapped on this planet. And they end up, of course, like finding the protostar and launching it into space. The exception is Gwen. And I thought maybe we could start by talking about Gwen because she has the most complicated family relationship, I think, throughout this entire season. So Gwen is the daughter of the Diviner. And I thought it was really interesting that in this first episode, we don't know that until over halfway through. This is a 43-minute episode, so very long, nice, great start to the show. And she constantly references him as the Diviner, our Diviner, or my Diviner. Mm -hmm. And does not call him father barely like indicates that she is his daughter so i i i'm wondering what you both thought about that and how you think gwen is feeling like kind of being her dad's servant and she doesn't even really get to interact with him he's like in this little pod thing for <laughs> tube yeah <laughs> mostly episode very darth vader like so what did you what you all think about this relationship with gwen and her dad interesting very interesting yes <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like she says she has a lot of bitterness, I think, from this relationship. I mean, she is kind of forced to be the go-between between the unwanted and the diviner. She's always having to mediate, be sort of the person that takes care of the unwanted, but not too much care because she can't show too much empathy or emotion um, or else the diviner will get mad or she'll get attached to people who may die or who may get injured or may turn crazy from zero's power like there's so much awfulness going on here right and so um i think she's also super bitter because she says sort of under breath under her breath when the diviner's like i have a big plan like don't worry about it she's like a plan he never tells me you know and i think that he is using is like keeping her in the dark to keep it to keep her complicit and keep her sort of like downtrodden a little bit and just like not feeling like she can totally soar you know and she's this incredible like linguist she has clearly like so much mastery of all of these different languages so much empathy to give but her father is really keeping her under his boot kind of you know by by keeping her in the dark with this information it keeps her sort of wanting to come back so she'll learn more and I just think that's really manipulative yeah I I really agree with you Rihanna and I'm wondering like so Gwen's what we talked about this before she's probably like 15 I don't know like mid-teenager and Mm -hmm. she's not had this information this entire time she's grown up like we heard we hear that the diviner has been searching for something on Tars Lamora for 20 years and Mm -hmm. so I can imagine that Gwen is like under 20 years old probably and so she's just been grown up growing up this entire time and this is the status quo and so like Gabby I'm curious what you think about like, would you still trust your dad after like all of this time? Like, would you just keep going along with whatever he's doing? Or like, how would you feel if you were Gwen? Good question. I am not entirely sure. Probably not. Mixed feelings. 
probably wouldn't trust him. Yeah. But then it's like, I what, what do you do if like, you can't disobey him, but you can't yeah. like you run away on a ship with a bunch of teenagers. True. But she was even kidnapped. Like she was taken yeah. sort of against her will. She was. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like her dad is kind of grooming her to see herself as other, you know, like she's better than all the other unwanted. And that's why she doesn't go with them initially she doesn't think like oh i'm a prisoner on this planet too because she loves her dad and wants to do the best for him so it's a tough situation that she's in i agree i also wonder too gabby and ashlyn how you feel about this sort of thing that parents in tv shows do a lot where they will kind of hide a certain difficult truths from their kids because they're quote-unquote not ready or like, you know, the diviner keeps saying, she's not ready. She's not ready. This is even like a theme in Harry Potter. Like Dumbledore's always like, Harry's not ready for the truth, blah, blah, blah. And I just think that can be really damaging. And it's like not trusting kids to like take hard news. And it's like protecting them from the truth. But I'm just curious how you both feel kind of about the diviner saying, oh, she's not ready. And that's his excuse of not telling her the truth about their home world and the federation and everything that we learn later on well i think that there are certain ages like i feel like one through four maybe through six but kids are growing up pretty fast these days like i'd say you would be ready if you're like seven eight fifteen in gwen's case mm-hmm. and especially if they're like very smart and more intellectual I think that's great, Gabs. Yeah, I think um, often children are are ready before the parents think they are because they want to protect them. And I see throughout this season that like Dreadnought says to the Diviner a couple times, like this, like having Gwen has completely complicated the situation. Like he really doesn't like that Gwen is even alive, it seems like. And we have no idea about like if she has a mother or another parent. I think or... she was just made because I think um, at one point, uh, Essencia says like, that's why you made a progeny so that you could continue your, your research if you died before you found the protostar. I see. I forgot about that. Thank you, Rihanna. So maybe so, she's a test tube baby like doll kind of. Yeah. And so it makes me think that like the diviner definitely like that's his weakness is Gwen. And so what's really hard to see. And I, I think I, we should just jump ahead a little bit. Talk about Gwen in future episodes like in Dreamcatcher. She is stuck on the planet and she is, she's like being pulled. Was this Dreamcatcher, the Terra Firma? But like in this, in this whole arc where they're stuck on this like dream planet and the Ivy's trying to keep them there. There's one scene where Gwen is being taken down, dragged down by the roots. And the diviner is actually there. She has seen visions of him previously, but when he's actually there, he looks and he sees the protostar is being also dragged down by the vines and he sees Gwen is and he chooses the protostar. And throughout the entire show, he chooses the protostar over Gwen over and over and over. And I think, you know, the, the answer that he's like clinging to that he justifies is like, this is all for the good of our species. And so it's okay to like sacrifice my daughter for this. And, um, but it is interesting because Gwen's for sure a weakness of his, but he doesn't let her really get in the way. And how how painful is this for Gwen? Like that scene where, and also she doesn't call him diviner. She's like screaming out father at that point. And she's called him diviner like the entire time. So my heart just breaks for Gwen and everything she's going through. 
that scene is so tough for me. And I think honestly, it's the turning point for Gwen. This is the time when Gwen is finally realizing, oh my God, like I need to change my allegiance because we saw in um, Dreamcatcher that she saves Murph, right? Which was her first huge shift into sort of the good side which is really cool to see. But we also see, you know, that they're still mad at her. They're still blaming her for losing the protostar, all this kind of stuff. And she's like had her broken leg and doll just wants to leave her behind kind of thing. And so she's really suffering in these moments. And I think it sort of breaks her. The fact that the diviner, her father is choosing this like ship that isn't even real. Like he doesn't know it, but he, he, it's not even the real protostar over his daughter even though he made her in order to continue the legacy or whatever but he thinks oh well I have the protostar now I don't need her and I think that is the turning point for her to say okay I'm going to fully join this group now like I'm not going to be sort of a a begrudging uh like prisoner or even a begrudging like crewmate I'm like full in you know because that I think is really when she starts to change her allegiance I agree with you Rhea I find I find like that just breaks my heart in that scene. It's just he is, he chose the ship over her. She is struggling in the vines, like her eyes are closed. It looks like she's dead. And then Doll finally comes in and rescues her. Yeah, well, and I was thinking about Doll because he has always had a soft spot for Gwen. You know, we've talked about there's like some romance perhaps blossoming between them, but more than anything, like you can tell there's references to these long conversations that they've had. Like they've known each other for a long time. And Doll is the first one to say, like, come with us, you know, like be a part of our crew. And I think his like easy acceptance of her, I know in the beginning it's a little rocky, like when he when she's literally taken prisoner, but I think he accepts her so easily into the crew. Like that's a big reason why she does turn on her dad. Because she's like, you know what? All of them are nice to me and Doll's being really chill. So I'm just going to join. And and this is what Rihanna was talking about. This whole idea about found family is so important in Prodigy because you take this team of orphans and Gwen, when she tries to separate herself from her father, like I think really um, like identifies with all of them. Like these are people who don't have a home and people who are looking for connection, reaching out to one another and they throughout the season understand that they can really start to rely on each other. That's so true. And I I also want to point out a quote that I thought was really important in Terra Firma when after, you know, Doll saves Gwen and everything, she gets one last moment to talk to the diviner. And she says, you made your choice father. Now I've made mine. Boom, drop that mic. You know, like that was so epic. And I loved seeing her sort of get to finally sort of say, hey, like, screw you, dad, kind of thing. Like, you have never been good to me. You've always used me as a tool instead of really loved me. I think, yes, it's definitely the Diviner's, like, weak point is Gwen, but also, like, like you said, Ashlyn, she can, he can still just brush her aside without a second thought. And I also want to point out, too, that it's really interesting how everyone's dreams manifest in different ways, because Rock Talk just wants cuddly little friends to hang out with, which is very on brand for her. Like, I love that. Well, I I think it's more that she wants people to view her, to see her and not be afraid of her. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and Dahl is looking for his family, you know, and so he thinks he sees like a sort of like two parental figures in the distance. But he says um like I don't remember what they look like type of thing and so I think that it's interesting that 
uh, Gwen is also seeing her father that Dahl and Gwen have this sort of connection of like longing for a family that they don't have or for a type of family that they don't have of course Gwen has a father but he's not the father that she needs for him for her you know and I think that that's really interesting that both of them are seeking this kind of family and then they end up kind of finding it within their little their group their little family of their own with mama Janeway <laughs> you know so I think that that is really special in a way but it also breaks my heart a little that this these people are or these uh kids are just looking for family and looking for belonging and that's what sort of the murder planet takes advantage of absolutely also I, I want to start to introduce this idea because you're talking about doll like on the planet is seeing a vision of his parents and they look like him you know he sees two people who have like the same little tail on his head thing yeah. <laughs> and then neither of them speak doll gets up closer to them and who appears after that it's Janeway appears in his vision and it's hologram Janeway obviously um but she is there to kind of speak his thoughts like oh this is what you've always wanted like we can as a planet as a species we can read your thoughts we can read your deepest desires we can also read your fears and then there's like a really creepy scene where she like tries to attack doll and everything but I really thought that I, I think it shows that Doll is starting to see hologram Janeway, even though it's only been a couple episodes, kind of as a parental figure, kind of as mom, because she's teaching them like how to run the starship, how to work together, and also like how to be a good team and take care of each other. And Janeway, like on Voyager, is absolutely viewed as like a mom. You know, she takes care of everybody. And I think for Doll, like, I think let's let's talk about first contact too now because Dahl we find out has this Ferengi that basically raised him. He grew up sleeping on the engine of this ship. Very sad. And yeah, ow, that's painful. Like raised like that was okay. Yes. yes. That's such a good point, Gabs. Yeah. It was giving me hairy vibes, like living mm -hmm. under the closet under the stairs, you know? Just thinking that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking every kid does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's still, like, finding adventure, but, like, clearly this, what's her name, the Ferengi, it's, um, um, Damon Nandi. Nandi, thank you, Damon Nandi, clearly is not, like, a good mom for him, and it, it's very, it's, it sort of reminds me of Guardians of the Galaxy, like, it seems like that's how Chris Pratt was raised in that movie, <laughs> um, uh, like, just kind of raised by con men and, uh, people just trying to make a quick buck and go on all these crazy adventures, and, uh, but he's had no real like person to look up to or someone to admire who's like a good influence. And so I think the moment that Janeway appears, even in holographic form, he's very, he, he takes to her and everybody does. So I just want to point out, like even early on, I really see this connection between Janeway and Dahl. And also it's like captain to captain, like giving, giving him advice. So anyway. Yeah. Those are such beautiful points, Ashlyn. And, and thank you, Gabby, for adding that about uh, doll's upbringing because I do think it's interesting how even in really tough circumstances kids can really make like light of a lot of things and doll really was you know he told Gwen all the time oh th this was my window to the stars and it turns out it's this very small port window in the engineering room and he says like he seems to have pretty fond or he seems to have pretty fond memories of Damon Nandi at least at the beginning like they hug and and like sort of joke around a bit tease each other and it kind of feels like oh maybe this wasn't so bad but the more you learn the more you realize that just like 
the diviner and Gwen, Dahl was used as a tool and he was used as somebody who probably could get into small spaces, spaces, probably could like, you know, manipulate people because he's like a little kid, you know, and they're like, oh, you have a, a helpless kid. I'll give you this whatever emergency ration or whatever she needs to like con them into some latinum, into some money, you know. And so um, it just really is showing how all of these like parental figures in their lives that are like the original ones are very like emotionally manipulative. And they really like utilize like, oh, but doll, don't you love me? Like I raised you, like, please do this job for me type thing. And even the diviner continuously says to Gwen, like, this is your destiny. You are the only one who can save our entire species. Like talk about pressure. Oh my God. Like, who, like, if you really loved your kid, you wouldn't put that kind of pressure on them and you would just let them grow and flourish as a normal kid. I agree, Rhea. I agree. I mean, I don't think it's fair that he was raised like how, like, manipulation and like getting manipulated is like okay and being used. I feel like the same with Gwen because they were both raised like they should, like, it's something normal that most people have to go through. Also, what I find really interesting is about, like, the crystals and the beings there. I know that isn't what this is about, but I just want to take a second to recognize them. Yeah. They are awesome. And I don't think it's fair that Nandi took it away from them. But Doll, Doll being a hero, and I think Janeway might have helped pursue, like, might have helped, not probably convinced him, but, like, as, like, a parental figure on the protostar. She helped realize that, like, Doll should, like, help return that to those beings. Yes. Oh, totally. Well, and the, like, the Janeway disappointment feeling at the end of this episode where she's like, you broke my trust, you broke their trust. I'm feeling like, ah. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> like, like a parent lecture, kind of. Like, oh my god. I felt yeah. secondhand, like, sadness and disappointment, too. <laughs> <laughs> When Rock Talk says, like, I hate getting in trouble. I'm like, that's exactly how I, I felt as a kid when I would get in trouble. And you're just like, oh, my God, like, I really need to make it up to them. Or I really need to, like, learn from this kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and thank you both for what you said about Gwen and the Diviner having, or Gwen and the Diviner, Gwen and Doll having manipulative parents. Because we see Doll is really hesitating throughout this episode. Like, he's happy to see Nandi. But also he does not really trust her and he feels like he sort of has to go along with this ploy because like he's still trying to act out of loyalty or show that he still like cares about Nandi or um, like, like, oh, well, you raised me. So like, I should go along with this, even though he like his instincts say this is not right, but he goes along with it anyway. And I think it's really like, this is an example of like why doll kind of had to grow up too fast because again he's probably like same age as Gwen maybe a little younger like 13 14 and he's having to think really hard about do I trust the person who raised me and that's a question that you just shouldn't have to ask if you have like a healthy childhood growing up so just like shout out to doll for like having to make this hard decision and in the end he like Rihanna or like Gabby said, he's the hero. Like he, he ends up doing the right thing and they get the, the crystal back, but what a tough episode. Also, it's hard for me to watch this episode. (laughs) 
Yeah, I hate watching the crystal get taken away, watching the like how it's hurting this species. I also think like what Gabby said about like just the beauty and just like how amazing this species is. I think that they are such a family unit. And something that I found so fascinating about all of Prodigy in general, and I know I'm skipping ahead, um, but even in Preludes, they multiple people talked about, Rock Talk and Zero talked about how we didn't, uh, Zero, or sorry, Rock Talk says we didn't have a common language, but we understood each other. And Zero says like, you know, we were just, we communicated in a different way. Like we don't see the <laughs> Medusans chatting, you know, they don't have little mouths or anything. Like obviously Zero can talk and that they've like definitely, you know, been able to communicate with everyone, but we see that they all have their own language. And I love that even with the unwanted, you know, like no one can communicate with each other. And so when Rock Talk and Doll finally can talk, that's so much fun. And like, they're learning more about each other. And I love that there, it's kind of this theme throughout all of Prodigy that like, you don't always need words to understand each other. And you don't always need like to say things, you know, like through, yeah, you just don't need words sometimes. And actions can really speak for that. And same with this species, like they use language through sound and through like harmonic resonance kind of thing. And so Zero could somewhat understand them, but for the most part, they only understood each other through that like different type of connection. And I think it's just important to remember, like that can be true with family too, you know, like sometimes when your family is so close, like you don't even need words to know what the other is saying. I and mean, that's how close the three of us are. Like sometimes Gabby will make a face and I know exactly what she's thinking or Ashlyn will like make a sound. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and our partners or people, our friends are like, what is going on? Like, what is this telepathic communication happening? You know, and that can happen with really close friends too, that you consider family. Like there's so many different ways that family communicates. And I just think it's so cool that they highlighted that for all of these different species, that Gwen is also sort of the like person who crosses the boundary. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um... They literally just did an inside <laughs> joke. Like, yeah, me and I are like doing our secret dance together yeah. that no one can see. Yeah. Right. Amazing. <laughs> so like even that, you know, it's just, it's incredible to see, um, and that Gwen is kind of the bridge for a lot of people, you know, she speaks a little like Catalan language. She's like purring and meowing to that cat, you know, and giving that cat a sense of safety. So language can bring safety, but I think the lack of it can also bring a deeper understanding, you know? And I think that that's also an important lesson for like us as, as humans, like, even if we all don't speak the same language, we can still understand the like language of nature and the language of like music. That's why music is so powerful. And while the crystal people are so powerful in that way, like I should call them people, crystal, <laughs> crystal entity, people, crystal, I'm putting my own human bias. <laughs> How dare I? <laughs> um, yeah. So I just thought that was a really, really cool connection that like keep, keep, keep thinking about that throughout the episode because it comes up a lot. Yeah, Rihanna, thank you so much. I, I think about too, like when we were in high school, like, especially when you're living with your parents all the time, I think that there is absolutely a language that develops between all of you because you're spending so much time together and you know, like every single second, like what everyone's thinking at all times. Gab, I'm sure you <laughs> can relate. Yes. So yeah, <laughs> Gab's like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I totally feel that between the sisters. Yeah. So this also brings me to the, I know a lot of this is sad, but we're going to get happy in a sec. Um, but like Nanda, not Nadia, not Nanda, whatever. Nandi. Nandi. Thank you. Nandi. <laughs> Nandi. It turns out like Dahl thought he was kidnapped 
and by the Kazon, but it turns out she sold him to the Kazon, and then the Kazon brought him to the um, to Tars the Mora to mine. So this is a huge betrayal, and this is of course that is the 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 final shoe dropping, the final like straw on the needle hay haystack <laughs> camel. Oh. <laughs> What's the saying? The <laughs> The straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> or the last straw. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you were all around it with the straw. <laughs> the needle yeah. in the haystack really threw me off. That's not at all what I meant. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was the straw. It was the final thing that Dal was like, okay, this is insane. Like she sold me. That's awful. Clearly we cannot trust her. And Gwen says something I thought was was kind of sweet and sad to him. She says, I wish I could tell you that it will stop hurting, but I don't know that yet. And so this, again, is just telling you how deep Doll and Gwen's connection is. Like, they've both been betrayed by their parents. And yeah. she also says to him, but think on the bright side, at least now you know who your real friends are. And to me, this is them saying, found family. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that, Ashlyn. There's another quote um, when Dahl is really trying to reconcile this like horrible, horrible thing he just found out about Nandi. He says, I was like a son to her. And then Gwen goes, and I was my father's daughter, but here we are. You know, like I kind of love we're using humor a little bit to cope with the, the, the trauma of bad parents and stuff. But I love that like they're sort of able to have that connection. I can't believe I haven't really realized how alike Gwen and Dahl are because they act so different. Like Gwen is definitely more mature, but it makes sense. She had to mature really quickly. She had to basically like run Tars Lamora, um, if we're talking about it, you know, and and Dahl got to be immature because he got to just do a bunch of like, um, you know, like trading, con man trading. And like, he had to do a lot of shenanigans just to like survive with Damon Nandi type thing. And so it really makes sense that their upbringings, though they were very similar, they react to them in really different ways. And that's, that's how it goes. Like every child is going to react to like a bad parent differently. And I think that that's also just a, a reminder to like, if, if a kid's being mature, like maybe they have a tough home life. Maybe they haven't like grown or learned about like, you know, how the world should work and they only know how it works for them kind of thing. I was thinking that Gwen had a very structured childhood where like she yeah. mentions like her dad taught her like Starfleet engineering schematics and linguistics and like everything you need to know about how to run the protostar and then doll had like a very unstructured like free childhood where he's just like Whoa, like running around yeah. like interacting with all these species like galloping around the stars and both both of those have varying um results <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah that's so true should we oh go ahead gab I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'm not talking make... a lot this episode. I just, you two have a lot to say. And I, <laughs> all right. we can also like shush so you could talk more <laughs> if you want. I actually do have a question to pose to all of you. Great. Um, so I know we're jumping around a bit, but talking, we're going to be talking a bit about Moral Star um, part one and two. And this is sort of when facing the crossroads, the final crossroads with her father. And I wonder for you both, do you think that if the diviner had been truthful with her from the beginning, had told her, I'm trying to eliminate Starfleet from history because they ruined our planet, which 
they didn't really, but they didn't maintain or check in on them. So yes, it was partially Starfleet's fault, partially uh, that Val Nukat's fault. Either way, <laughs> I'm not trying to place blame anywhere, but do you think that if he had been solely truthful, had said like, I am running this mining colony because we're looking for the protostar, you, I made you because like you need to continue my legacy, all this kind of stuff, instead of all this lies, all this like cover-ups and saying, oh, you're not old enough to know, I'm going to keep you in the dark to keep you submissive kind of thing. Like, do you think that Gwen would have been more willing to follow her father in help follow in her father's footsteps? And do you think that she may be, or do you think that empathy still would have won out and she would have realized what you're doing is wrong? I think uh, if any of you have seen She-Ra, it's a very similar like thing with Adora, because, the main character, because she was raised like, she was basically raised in like an enemy fortress and mm-hmm. she was raised that like the princesses were evil and you have to destroy them to like maintain balance. Mm-hmm. But it was really the opposite. And so true. She she later realized that that what that it wasn't okay. And she funny story. She is a princess. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna spoil too much. She wrote for you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I think the same thing would have happened with Gwen. Like she would have eventually realized that what they're doing is wrong, but she would have played into it at first. Naps for that, Gabby. I love that comparison. I'm also thinking about Zuko from Avatar. Like when you grow up in sort of, yeah, (laughs) because, well, yeah, same. He's like my, one of my favorite characters Ah! of all time. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like obsessed with him. Um, And I think his arc is so interesting and it's really similar in a way to Gwen's. Um, It would have been cool if like the gang had kidnapped Zuko early on (laughs) so that he could have become good suitor. I've read a lot of fanfics that go that way and it's brilliant. Um, But since we don't have that, you know, like, I think that it did take Zuko a while to learn because he's used to this. He's used to this sort of like abusive behavior from his father. He's used to being told this is how we are. And our, our nation is spreading greatness to the rest of the nations. And so he believes that he's like, okay, fire nation's good. Like we're doing good things. And then he's starting to see the ramifications of the war and everything and seeing, wow, like a lot of people have been burned like me. A lot of people have lost their homes, their families, blah, blah, blah. And I think that Gwen sort of gets to face that early on though. Like she's seeing the ramifications of what her dad is doing, like through all these kids that he's literally kidnapping, you know? So Ozai isn't kidnapping kids. He just wants one kid, (laughs) but it's just, it's really interesting that there's so many, you can be raised in a society where you think something's right your whole life. And then you turn around and, and, and look at real life and say, oh, not everything is as black and white as I thought it was. Sorry, Ashlyn, please give us your answer. <laughs> I mean, isn't that just what growing up is? You start to realize things are a lot more complicated than you first thought. Yes. Um, I I agree with you both. Wonderful answers. I, I will just say that I think it was a mistake on the Diviner's part to make Gwen be the face of like accepting the children into slavery essentially you know like that's that's really rough like she's seeing how young they are and that that's how that whole show opens is she's berating the Kazon for bringing like the cat the cat who's so young Mm -hmm. um and so she's exposed firsthand to all of the problems that that the diviner is creating and and I think if he had raised her knowing the truth and and saying i'm really depending on you because we're trying to save our race and this is a mission we have like a goal in life 
but she was shielded to what was going on or maybe somehow he was able to convince her like the mining is everything we have to like find the ship asap the children yearn for the mines you know but they like, like it <laughs> they i mean kids everyone loves minecraft i mean we, they yearn for the mines he's you know? like don't worry it's just like minecraft but yeah. life when. it's fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you only have one life and you can't respawn yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> And instead of sheep, they're rocks that you get to smash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. I, I think that she would have been completely indoctrinated. Like if she had been shielded for a long time and just grew up thinking, I have a mission, I'm going to be really smart to like, please my dad. I, I think it would have taken her a long time, especially if she had eventually like met up with Asensia, like someone else who's as motivated to get the job done. I actually really wonder if she even would have figured out like this is really messed up, you know? Yeah, you would think at some point, but yeah, absolutely. And I also want to say one of the coolest lines at the end of uh, Moral Star Part Two is when um, the Diviner has lost his, uh, like he's gone mad from the from Zero's Medusan powers, and um, they say that he is now the only sole person on Tars Lamora in quote the ruins of his own making. Oh, that's so epic. Like he got exactly what he deserved. And I'm really annoyed that somehow in his diviner DNA, he can just like become unmad, uncrazy and remember everything in this part two of season one. But that's just splitting hairs. I just thought that was a little weird that they're like, let's use the Medusan power on him and then just totally bring him back. (laughs) But it worked. Yeah. And what's really, really annoying is that Starfleet's on his side. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, constant face palm during that whole thing. Yeah, just like I know he doesn't remember, and he does seem really nice. Like when he has yeah. amnesia, it's like, oh, like what a nice guy. Janeway's like, this is my friend, the diviner, <laughs> <laughs> and the other lady that's his kind. Yeah, yeah, Asen- yeah Asensia. Yeah, yeah, I don't know her name. Yeah, that's she's fine. like the. She has some crazy name too, but <laughs> the trill. Um, yeah wow that was crazy and I I love that though in um, Moral Star Part 1 and 2 Gwen is never on his side like we think she is and we're all tricked because Goth Janeway's there and everything but they always had this plan you know and I think that that is super epic and that like I which really does convince me that the turning point for her was on the murder planet when she's like oh he left me for dead like I'm gonna leave him for dead I mean you don't forget that you don't forget when your dad chooses a ship over you you know literally (laughs) that wasn't even real yeah fake vibe yeah. ship yeah <laughs> yeah literally wow um okay I think let's jump to part two of Prodigy talk about Masquerade and then I think we should spend some a good time on preludes just talking about everybody's past so in Masquerade this is a interesting episode because we find out that Doll is a product of genetics like genetics experimentation And I just laughed at myself because initially when I was watching Prodigy, it's been a couple months since I've seen the show. I haven't watched it all in order in a while. So when I was watching part one, I was thinking maybe, you know, if I know Star Trek, they're going to throw away to get noon, like get, um, uh, get soon into this somehow, which it like he created data He's like created He's all the basically augments. every Star Trek series, Gabby. Like they somehow mention a soon character in every single series. Yeah, he's oh. like a mad 
a mad scientist that just like keeps creating like crazy stuff. And so I was laughing to myself thinking, what if Dahl was a soon creation? But I completely blocked out that we already knew that he yeah. was a soon creation. So in the episode Masquerades, this geneticist like takes Dahl's hair, runs his DNA and says, oh, you're, you're a product of Eric soon, who we don't know. <laughs> Another soon in the, in the long line of crazy soons. <laughs> Yeah, but it just tells you like this line just keeps going. They keep creating crazy uh, experiments. And I just want to read this out. So Dahl initially was a human. So that's like his pri- his primary gene is human, but he's mixed with 26 different species. Um, so he was born in a Petri dish and has no parents. And this is a huge blow to doll and he has like kind of a mental breakdown which is totally understandable yeah I would too (laughs) me too a hundred percent that is a huge thing especially because he's been searching for family his whole life that this is sort of like a devastating conclusion for him yeah yeah how do we feel about doll taking the geneticist's uh little implant thing and trying to quote make the best out of him she she manipulates him and says we need to fix you but how do we feel about this whole thing Long sigh. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Doll. Yeah. Another case of you're perfect just the way you are. <laughs> That's the moral of the story for this one. <laughs> you know, all that stuff that Disney taught us growing up. <laughs> it was a very Disney ending. That is so true. <laughs> Thank you, Gabby. Yeah, that was the vibe I got. And again, like this is directed at kids. And so I understand like that they're trying to wrap this up in a nice, like meaningful hot dog for them all. Hot dog? Um, a Disney what? hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just found our title. I know, I was like, Disney hot dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, just like, just embrace who you are. I mean, Doll is going through a major freak out, you know, and I would do, I would probably, I don't know if I would like change my DNA, but I would, <laughs> I would freak out because this is all Doll has wanted his whole life. I was kind of thinking about like the, the murder planet as Rihanna called it. Um, they back call it in, that too. Yeah. Dreamcatcher. I think of. on a name. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mur- uh, no, not Murph. Um, Rock Talk wanted it to be Larry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I would have voted Larry. I want Larry too. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call it Larry. Let's yeah. just call it Larry. So Let's call it Larry. when they were back on Larry, I was actually thinking that the species was sort of like the mirror of Erised, where it shows you your heart's deepest desire. And so yes. the fact that it showed Doll's parents, like that tells you right away that that was episode four. And then all the way in episode 15 is when he finds out that he doesn't have real, like any parents. Um, that's rough. That's really rough. So that's this, rough, buddy. Yeah, that's rough, buddy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <use your coke. laughs> yeah, that's so the I'm, roughest. I'm giving Doll some, um, you know, some grace. And I also think it's great that in episode 16, Preludes, that's kind of how it opens, where Doll even says, I'm sorry if I need more than a day to deal with the fact like that I found out I have no parents. And this, this really cracks me up because in like old Star Trek, you know, they have like a really like 
insane episode where the character goes through like goes to hell and back and then the next episode they're like riding a horse on the holodeck and everything's (laughs) fine and so I love to see that in Prodigy they're trying to show like yeah it makes sense that Dahl would still be freaking out about this because his life is completely changed like his perspective is completely changed he has no family he just has the people around him you know so Mm -hmm that's really hard and so preludes is a wonderful episode I also have to shout out to Janeway because she's listening to Chopin's preludes and yes if you haven't heard Chopin's preludes just give it a listen and think about Janeway sitting on the protostar or sitting on the dauntless wishing she was Wichicote yes (laughs) you'll like have a great time so anyway shout out to Janeway and also um let's just go through and talk about these characters and their past not everything is about family really but they're all orphans and a lot of them don't even have family so I think should we start with rock talk yeah let's go in order but first yeah. I do want to say the one line that Gwen says because of course we this like whole episode is a family episode basically for Gwen and so she or like the episode we're doing on the pod not the episode we're discussing yeah <laughs> um and so you know Doll's complaining he's like oh my god like at least y'all don't have like worse past than me and then Gwen goes is your father hunting you down I'm like boom <laughs> you know what fair and he's like okay maybe Gwen's got me beat but who else and then that's when Zero turns to rock and is like you can tell your story. It's a safe space. Oh. Real, real quick. Yeah. I, I actually think it's annoying that Zero, the entire time Zero has, is pretty invasive into people's thoughts. Like yeah. this happens a couple episodes where like Doll's feeling really sad and he's not saying anything. And then Zero just like says the thought that Doll is thinking out loud. And for me, I would be angry at yeah like the person who just said my thought out loud. I know Zero is a telepath, but still like, I, I want to keep my thoughts to myself, <laughs> you yes. know? And so, and a lot of it is for like furthering the plot and for having like exposition and forcing Doll to like admit whatever he's thinking. But just in general, I wish Zero wouldn't say the thoughts out loud. Like Rock Talk was clearly uncomfortable with starting the story, Um, but because zero was like, Hey, rock talk seems sad. Like, let's hear why. (laughs) Yeah. That was a little rude. I thought like, and rock talk was like, Hey, why'd you read my mind? And zero was like, Oh, because we care, which is a nice thought, but like definitely ask before you start reading people's minds next time. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. And when Ashlyn said telepath, I started humming telepath by Conan Gray. Yes. That's the that's zero song. I muted to sing it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even finish that sentence, babe. I already know how things end. That is zero's anthem, probably. Um, So I'm gonna say our our playlist for this episode is Chopin's preludes and then Uh um Conan Gray's um telepath. Telepath. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Go listen. Go yeah. listen right now. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And Taylor so, Swift, because we mentioned oh, her. Yeah, just, of course. Just every Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift in general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's talk about Rock Talk. It is Rock Talk Talk Time. <laughs> <laughs> rock Talk is a legend. I rock love Talk Talk so Time. <laughs> TikTok, Rock Talk. Rock Talk, TikTok, Talk Time. <laughs> So I wish, first of all, that we had more of like Rock Talk's original family OG, but we know that she's an orphan. We know that like whatever happened to her family, they're probably gone. And so she ended up in this essentially a fighting ring where she was made out to be the monster. 
And so I don't know about you both, but I really thought that the hero uh, character in this was definitely like a father to Rock Talk and definitely seeming like, oh my gosh, like this person was really helpful and sort of like going along with Rock Talk's plan of like, no, this time I'm going to be the hero. Like he was totally for it, even though of course that's the thing that got her taken to Tars Lamora, which is just heartbreaking that she just for once wanted to be the hero and not seen as the monster that everyone like thought she was. But I love that the hero figure, the old older man, saw right through that and knew who she really was. Yeah. And it's another example. I think we kind of talked about like, they don't speak the same language, but they're easily able to communicate. <laughs> and this, I, I don't know if any of our listeners have um, watched any WWE. Um, <laughs> I definitely have not, but like, it's basically like, it's like a, like wrestling, but it's completely staged and outrageous. It's outrageous. Okona. This was really giving me the same vibes. Like every fight that rock talk is doing with this hero figure who looks like a human, but you can never be sure. Every fight is completely staged, but they communicate so easily. And I also love seeing, because in the beginning of the, of the show, we see that rock talk, like when she goes up to the replicator, she just wants this like sludge (laughs) and every, everyone's like, what? What, you know, but this is why she loves the sludge because it's it's instant um, serotonin. Like you win a fight, you get the sludge. And yeah. so, of course, you would start associating that with like victory and happiness. And she gets to hang out with her friend, the hero. So it's a it's a sad story. And, and, and also it makes sense why she wants everybody to look at her and not be afraid because she was in all of these fights where people like viewed her as the monster. So, yeah, I wish I wish all the best for this like man in this situation. And yeah, um, I, yeah the hero, I hope he's doing well and I hope he's alive. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I like, don't even finish that sentence. <laughs> I don't even finish that sentence, babe. <laughs> we already know how this ends. <laughs> yes, that, that is probably one of my favorite and like the saddest flashbacks, but I'm so glad we're getting more information on our friends for sure. Amazing. Yeah. So now let's move on to zero story where uh, they said kind of what I was referring to earlier. We didn't have to speak. We just were curious minds who just wanted to explore. Like that's very Starfleet of them. Like I love that, that, that the Medusans are just out there to fly around, be beautiful and explore the galaxy. Like it looks like they have a whole ship which is really cool. And again, just sort of like the not needing a language to communicate is is a really interesting plot device. Yes. What I really got out of this flashback is that the Kazon are the enemy because in oh. every single situation, the Kazon are capturing these unwanted and bringing them to Tars Lamora. Like every single person who's been captured has been sold to a Kazon and brought to Tars Lamora. So as a side note, just like what is going on with the Kazon? Yeah, I'm very like alarmed at time awful at what's happening with that. So anyway, um, but yeah, I I I'm very sad about like how Zero was separated from their colony, and will we ever see a conclusion? Will Zero ever get home? I don't know. A whole episode where they get like reunited or they meet a Medusan ship, and they're like, oh, we know like which colony you came from. Like we can you know tell them you're safe or something like that because. Also a theme I'm seeing is, you know, like, yeah, like it's sort of the unwanted, but it's also being taken away from your family and then having to sort of forge a new one with what's left of like the ashes, you know? And 
I just think that that's really sad at first, but it like it rock talk, as rock talk says, like to Murph when, when he's cuddling up with her, like, don't be sad. If all of this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have met you all, you know? And so it, rock talks amazing at finding the light of situations, but I just thought that was a really beautiful way of looking at it. Absolutely. I love Murph so much. I can't control it. <laughs> right. Same. Especially when her and Murph cuddle. I'm like, this is the greatest thing. Like, oh my God. Besties. Literally besties. Um, okay. I want to talk about Jacob Pong. Yes. Yes. Why was this part so funny and so sad, like at the same time? How did they do that? That was an amazing storytelling. So something I noticed that I had not noticed before when I was rewatching this is that Jacob Pog, he opens his whole speech. He says, pre-Federation on Talos Prime, orphans were assigned to deep space missions. And that sentence alone is a lot to unpack because what does he mean pre-Federation on Talos Prime? Because he's old is what he means. Yeah. How long was he asleep? Well, I'm really confused. Yeah, I'm really confused. Oh my God, Rihanna, you're right. Um, Because the Tellarites, I mean, they were one of the founding members of the Federation. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we see in the original series, Journey to Babel, like obviously it was like like the Tellarites were fighting with each other. There's a lot of chaos going on, but they were members of the Federation at that point. And so pre-Federation Tellarites, that's like over 150 years ago, like 200 years ago. Um, that means Jacob's like the oldest of the group by, by like a long shot. <laughs> he's been in the sleeper ship for a long time. Yeah, because it, yeah. So the orphans were sent for deep space missions. So, I mean, this is, this is extremely disturbing and this is, but also, wow, this writing is crazy. Like how do they pluck this, the storyline out of mm-hmm. air and, and put it to word? So Jacob, like he, he cloaks himself as in humor. He's the funny character, but his past is mysterious and I'm very curious to know more. We see him as like the absolute hero. We just learned throughout like how he becomes such a good engineer because he's like his pod got woken up all the time. Like fix this issue, fix this issue. And he's saving everybody's life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like, he's the real hero and it ends up that like once he's in his little like pod, he gets picked up by the Kazon again and sold to Tars Lamora. Oh, awful. Awful Kazon. Bad Kazon. I hate you. <laughs> Kazon are worse than the Diviner. Yeah. Hi, Key. Yes, yeah. agree. But yeah, I mean, so he's, again, he's an orphan. We have no idea what's going on with his background. Rip. We didn't even get <laughs> to see his Tellarite friends who were sleeping in the pods, but I really love when he's like, and when they tell, and when you tell them who saved them, tell them it was Jacob Pog. And then the the uh, robot is like, please state name and inquiry. And he's like, ah! oh my god like I'm going crazy so poor thing like probably I mean I assume they did process of elimination oh Jacob's not in his pod um Jacob Pog is not in his pod um so he's probably like saved our lives but they won't probably ever know and it's a very noble sacrifice and something that like quote unquote one wouldn't expect from a Tellarite which is like very you know simplistic statement but I'm just saying that like he rose above and beyond what was sort of expected of him he was just trying to sleep and wait for this deep space mission like he was probably going to be woken up in like 100 years or something and he probably woke up way earlier so anyway, well, I mean, a reminder that like the tell like Tellarite homeworld is in the Alpha Quadrant, and so he it's woke far. up in the Delta Quadrant, 
that's that's a long time for like 300 years or 200 or something i'm like quaking yeah that's crazy and how old was he before is the question he was like a like a kid well i I noticed they did a great job of making or i mean jason who plays the who's the voice actor did a great job of making his voice sound just a little bit younger in the flashback i thought that was really sweet and kind of heartbreaking you're like oh my god he's probably like seven or eight maybe older but probably not that much older and I don't know about Tellerite, you know, aging process or whatever, but oh, Jacob Pog, what a legend. <laughs> I hope that the Tellerite doctor can like give Jacob Pog a hug at some point and be like, yeah. um, you're one of the orphans from the sleeper ships. Like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk about yeah. a messed up system. Like, Seriously. let's just send our orphans away. It's pretty much the same thing that Viner's doing, like just taking unwanted and using them. Like, why does yeah. everyone just like use orphans? That's so awful. Y'all. I mean, it's yeah. a tale as old as time. Y'all seen Annie? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I'm so sorry to do that. <laughs> okay. Well, so we, we've, we finished talking about all the episodes. I, I just want to give anyone a moment for a last statement about like what they think overall about family and prodigy and how it was handled and how we feel about these characters now that we've had this deep discussion about their pasts. Murph needs more screen time. Boom, Gabby. Yes, and more slime worm family episodes. Exactly. We need we need a slime we need some Murph. Smurf. <laughs> I mean, I'm still running oh, off no. my my uh, my secret joke to myself is that Murph is actually Chakotay in disguise. And so <laughs> I think that um that's why we don't have any background yet, is because he's just Chakotay. <laughs> It's still why, a funny thing. Why? <laughs> I'm so sorry, but like literally in the first episode, like they don't know how to use the phasers, and then Murph jumps on the console and activates the phasers for them. Only Chakotay could do that. So not any other Starfleet officer, just no, Chakotay. Just Chakotay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm so sorry. I Gabby. Like Murph is Murph, but yeah, please continue if you have any lasting thoughts about family and prodigy. Murph needs a family. Yes, agreed. So do you have any thoughts about Murph? I just think we need more. Like, why was he kind of singing on the holodeck? Why was he lip syncing? I, I didn't I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Can Murph talk? Like, what can slime worms do? I just <laughs> why was he how did he defeat the Tal Shiar? <laughs> like, just Whoa. you know, a couple questions. Rihanna, how about you? Any lasting thoughts about Prodigy? Yeah. So the other thing I want to mention too, and we, we did bring this up, but Janeway is mother. Jane Hologram Janeway, mother is mothering. You know, like she is out here, even when she finds out that they're not Starfleet cadets and that they're they truly stole the ship, she's just like pretty cool with it. Of course, she's like bummed that they didn't tell her the truth and stuff. But I just think that takes an amazing like strength of character to just say, okay, but these kids need me. And so I'm going to continue to be there for them. And she sacrifices herself for them. And I just think it's so beautiful and heartbreaking, you know, the way that Janeway, Hologram Janeway is sort of her story concludes. But I think it's also just really important for them to have a stable figure in their lives. I mean, now I think Admiral Janeway is going to sort of take up that helm in place of Hologram Janeway, which is really cool. But I do, I just, I'm so proud of her and I'm so proud of all of them, like, doll gives her a hug at one point it's really special like we can see him really opening up and he's like the one to open up last you know always in these situations especially after the stuff with damon uh nandi so so cool so beautiful mother is mothering i love janeway she's just a legend 
Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say just at the end is that I I mean, we see on Janeway's side of all of this, like Admiral Janeway, she's finding out like these are not just like random people trying to sabotage the mission. These are kids who have been like taken from this planet where they were minors. Like she's, you know, starting to unravel what's actually going on here. And she's, you know, becomes an advocate for them. And I really think it's beautiful to see that transition from hologram Janeway taking care of them to like perhaps Admiral Janeway. I could see her being like absolutely advocating for them all to be in Starfleet by, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the, in part two because- She kind of did. I mean, even Doll. I know, but I like the- Wait, I forgot about that. Okay, no. yeah. Um, but I could see her like continuing to be a mentor for them in the next season. So very exciting. Totally. Um, and speaking of very exciting, I want to finally take a moment to celebrate that this right now you are listening to the hundred and seventeenth episode of the Dura Sisters podcast. We have been, we have over a hundred episodes. We forgot to do a hundredth episode celebration. We kept <laughs> saying over and over next episode, we're going to celebrate. Well, this is right now we're celebrating. We're so excited. We can't believe we've done 117 episodes. That's like really shocking to me. Yeah. Totally yeah. Agree. So think like, thank you both for being with me on this journey. Gabby, it's so wonderful to hear your perspective on Prodigy, especially we we got kind of like into the into the weeds in this one. So thank you yeah. for like just having some great thoughts and it's just wonderful to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, it's so special to get to talk about family with my family. Like yeah. this is just the best. And I'm so lucky to have amazing sisters like you who will talk about Star Trek with me for an hour. So thank you so, <laughs> so, so much um, everyone for listening prepare for Picard family next week. It's going to be even darker than this probably. So just enjoy the craziness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And Strange New Worlds is dropping in four days. So everyone get ready for Strange New Worlds. And lastly, speaking of thank people that we're thankful for, I want to thank Jordan Hirsch, Megan Chowning, MC Freudis, Spotted Giraffe, Isabel, David Willett, Kurlan Noskos, Wolfwit, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gil Dara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, and Ivan Fetch, and Michelle for being our patrons. We are so lucky to have you. And we have 17 patrons right now. I would love to get to 20 patrons by the end of the summer. That is my personal goal I am pushing for. If you are not a patron of the Dura Sisters podcast, I really advise you to get on that train. You can sign up and donate two, six, 12, or $23 per month. You get a ton of different perks. Go check out our websites, patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. All our details are there. And we have a lot of really cool stuff coming up this summer. Um, merch is on the way for everybody. So, well, not everyone, yeah. but for the people who uh, are signed up for merch, yes. <laughs> um, it is on the way. So thank you, Gabby and Rihanna, for joining me. Just what a joy it is to have these sisters with me in this Star Trek life of ours. <laughs> yes, so special. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. And live long and prosper. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the 12th episode of our family series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the family episodes in Star Trek Picard. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. 
All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating $2, $6, $12, or $23 per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock exclusive reviews for each tier. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, spooky, and the holodeck series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, what are you doing? Please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media, marketing, and editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> Any more rock talk talks? I just like talking about rock talk and TikTok, rock talk, TikTok. <laughs> TikTok, TikTok, rock talk, rock talk. <laughs>